Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew this morning. We'll go to Matthew 11, and then we'll go to James 4. And the last time I was with you, we were talking about learning, where Jesus said, learn of me, talking about learning of him. And we're talking about how to obtain more grace in our lives. And if you're not interested in this, you should be. We'll, you'll, you'll see it in just a few moments. But Matthew 11 and 29, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. How many want to learn of him? Not what somebody said he's like, not what somebody thinks he's like, who he really is, how he really is. Jesus is knowable. You don't have to take secondhand information. Well, so and so, this preacher said he's like that. No, you're supposed to know him for yourself and know who he is and what he's like. Now, I'm not saying you know all about him. We're going to be learning more about him a thousand years from now. But every month and year, we can know more of him. He said, Learn of me. That means you can. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest. Unto your souls. He's, when he says learn of me. Of all the things he could have said. He, he could have said learn of me. I'm powerful. Learn of me. I know everything. Learn of me. He could have said all kind of things. And what's the one thing he brought out? I am meek. And lowly in heart. The uh, NIV says. I'm gentle. And humble in heart. The BBE says. I'm gentle and without pride. Without pride. Listen to James 4. Go over to James 4. And the 6th verse. James 4, 6. Says he gives more grace. So you can have grace. But then you can get more. Than what you had. He gives more grace. Wherefore he says God resists the proud. But gives grace Unto the humble. Who gets the grace? Not the proud. The proud don't get the grace. The humble get the grace. Now the grace of God. Is one of the most desirable things in the universe. Uh, What is grace? People say unmerited favor. That's true. But that's the tip of the iceberg. Grace is one of the biggest words in the Bible. And it covers so much. The grace of God is the favor, is the acceptance, it is the opportunity. It's also the strength of God. It's the wisdom of God. It's the ability of God. You could sum it up by saying it's God's help. Do you need help in life? Let me help you with that. Yes. You and I can't do anything the way it could be done, should be done, without some help. No matter what area you're talking about, if you've been struggling in an area, if you keep falling into the same sin, messing up in the same area over and over again, with more grace, you could stop that. With more help. With more strength. With more enlightenment. With more quickening. Do you believe that? 
something that you believe you should be, something you should do and accomplish, if you just keep falling short of it, can't see how to get from where you are to there, can't see how to become like that or how to accomplish that or do that, with enough of God's help, you can become a different person, a better person, a person more like Jesus. With enough of God's help, you can accomplish what would be impossible to you alone. If God helps you enough, you can do anything. Do you believe it, saints? Somebody say, I believe it. If God helps you enough, you can receive anything. There is no miracle too big that you can't receive with enough of God's help. Now, if you believe that, you should be very interested in what this verse just said. Who gets the help? Who gets more help? The humble get the help or the grace. The more humble get more help. Do you want more help? From God. Divine ability. Divine assistance. I mean God can go before you. And he can deal with people three weeks before you show up and incline their hearts towards you and you show up and they don't know why, but they just like you and want to do stuff for you and help you out. You can be in areas that you've never been before and things you never understood and you read it once and you just understand it and remember it and don't forget it. Your intellect, your awareness is stepped up, sharpened. Something, an organ problem, a system problem in your body, a muscle problem, a nerve problem. God made this thing, saints. It's easy for him to tweak it. Do you believe it? He can touch something. You can have a kidney that's floundered around for 15 years and God can touch it. And that thing will come alive and run like a Swiss watch the rest of your life. That's grace. We're saved by grace. We're healed by grace. We overcome by grace. Do you believe it? Every victory is by grace. Every good and perfect thing we receive is by grace. But who gets it? Does everybody get it? No. No. Obviously, a lot of people are not operating in a lot of God's help. They are floundering around and failing on their own. Christians. Hmm? Who gets the grace? Help me out, saints. The humble. The humble. Skip down to verse 10 there in the fourth chapter. Verse 10 says, do what? Humble yourself. Who's going to humble you? You hear people, a lot of people talking about God humbling you. And I've even heard preachers say, oh man, don't pray for humility. Whew. Don't do that because God will humble you. That's some wrong thinking. What did he tell you to do? Humble yourself. You humble yourself. He's not going to make you do anything. He's not going to make me do anything. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, before the Lord, and what will he do? He shall lift you up. You see that in 1 Peter. Put up 1 Peter for us. The 5th chapter. 1 Peter 5, 5. Says likewise you younger. Submit yourselves. Who's going to submit them? 
Submit you, you submit yourself to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves. Who's going to do it? You are, or it won't be done. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, we talked about humility and pride, the opposite of humility. And I shared some about how, as a boy, the Lord quickened to me, Numbers 12:3, how that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, and how that he was the most used man of God in his generation. And so I saw that connection back there then, and just by, I know it was just by revelation, but I knew just as a boy that I didn't know what humility was, and I didn't understand pride. And I asked the Lord to teach me, what is humility? And the further I go, the more I see what a necessary prayer that is, because so many folks don't have a clue what it is. Uh, Many people think being meek is being weak. It's being passive and a doormat. And, and you got a lot of Christians that are proud of how humble they are. There's, there's real confusion here. And there's real ignorance here. But Jesus said, learn of me. I am meek. I am humble. So Jesus is not weak. There's nothing. How many want to be like the master? There is no nothing negative about being humble like the master. Nothing. Certainly nothing weak about it. And so, looking back now, the Lord showed me every year, seemed like two or three, four things a year, I would see that's pride. And I'd realize the next year, that's pride. I'm not talking about in other people, I'm talking about in me. And when you do it, it's not fun. Because you go, ah, oh, that's ugly. <laughs> and when you realize God hates pride, he doesn't hate you, but he hates pride. Pride is the very nature of the devil himself. And it's everywhere. And you're not going to deal with it until you see it. We looked at John 7. We won't go through it again, but we saw how that Jesus said, He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. That's one of the first things the Lord dealt with me. Pride speaks from and of itself. And pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. And we read how the devil fell. The Bible warns us in Timothy not to fall after the devil's example. You don't want what happened to him to happen to you. And his fall was the result of pride. And we read about it in Isaiah, the 14th chapter. We saw what the devil did in Isaiah 14, 13. It says, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Hear this next phrase. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I heard a story one time. 
You want to hear a story? Now you have to bear with me because it's a bit of a stretch. It's the story of the first flying frog. Once upon a time, there was a little green frog. And he would stare up in the air at the birds flying and long to fly. And think, why couldn't I have been a bird? I can't fly. I got no wings. I sit on this lily pad. And a stork was out there. And the stork overheard and said, little frog, you want to fly? He said, oh, more than anything. She said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll get a twig. I'll hold it between my feet. You jump up and grab on with your mouth. And I'll take you for a flight. You'll be the first flying frog. So she did and he did with a few flaps of her big wings. She sailed up 100 feet, 200 feet, 300 feet. So he's, he's holding on. And the air's blowing by, and he's thinking, this is great. This is great. I don't think any other frog's ever done this. I'm higher than any frog's ever been in the history of the earth. I'm, I'm the, the first frog who's ever flown. I'm greater than all the other frogs that's ever been. I opened his mouth and said, ah. Because pride goes before a fall. When he opened his mouth to say. That's what the devil did. And he fell. Didn't he? Notice what else he said. I will exalt my. Now. We read in 1 Peter 5 and 6. Where he talked about. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Submit yourself and humble yourself. That he may exalt you in due time. Pride speaks of itself and from itself. And also pride attempts to, strives to exalt itself. Pride is self-promoting. Self-exalting. And in the kingdom of God, that is not the way up. It's the way down. Now, it is the way of the world. And people quote things, little sayings, like their verses. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's not a verse. Heard this growing up in the South. I don't know where it came from, but. If you don't toot your own horn, it won't get to That's popular in other places, apparently. If you don't toot your own horn, it won't get tooted. Also, not a scripture. In fact, contrary to scripture. Now, here's one I want you to hear carefully. Sometimes it's just easier to get forgiveness than permission. Have y'all ever heard that? This is devilish. And in the ways of God and the things of God, this is the way to get demoted. It's the way to be cast down. 
Why are we talking about these things? With enough help from God, right? Don't forget that now. With enough help from God, we can receive anything. We can be anything we need to be, do anything we need to do. But who gets this help? Who's going to get more help than they've ever had in their life? The person that humbles themselves in faith before God. What about the person that lifts up themselves, that exalts themselves, that is haughty and proud? Not only do you not get help, you get resisted of God. And it's subtle. And don't be thinking about somebody else that needs to hear this. You need to hear this. I need to hear this again. Pride is so subtle. I know as the years went by and, and I learned more and I saw more about this, I'm thinking, mm, you know, that's the way the men in my family have always thought and always been. My dad and my granddad, and I love them dearly, but it's pride. It's ugly, stinking pride. And I've always been that way. And, and you hear people, I mean, we would say this, you know, well, we're poor, but we're proud. I got to have my pride. God will deliver you from both conditions. If you'll believe him. If you listen to him. Pride speaks of itself. And pride also seeks to exalt itself. And you will see that with the devil himself. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He's trying To push to a place God didn't give him. He's not asking for this. He knows God didn't give it to him. He's trying to take it. Pride is a taker. Pride is an assumer. Humility asks. And humility is a receiver. You need to be a good receiver. Of what has been given to you. You don't want to be a taker of what hasn't been given to you. That's ungodly. In John, I want us to notice this. Let's see, John 3 and 26. John's disciples were very concerned because Jesus' ministry was becoming bigger than John's. Now, it might be hard for us to to see it this way. But there was a time when John the Baptist was the most well-known minister in the country and Jesus was unknown. And John introduced Jesus' ministry to all the people that followed him. You remember that? And in John 3.26, they came to John and said, Rabbi, he that was with you beyond Jordan to whom you bear witness, he's baptizing and all men come to him. John the Baptist's closest supporters were concerned. They're like, you helped this guy get started. And now everybody's leaving you and going to him. And how many of you remember John said, he must increase and I must decrease. In other words, that's exactly what's happening should be happening. This is the plan, was always the plan. And it's also one of the reasons why Jesus said, among those born of women, he was of the greatest, right? Why? Because the most humble is the greatest. And he wasn't trying to be humble. He's being honest. This is how it is. But he could have done something different, but he didn't. 
And verse 27, John said this, a man can receive nothing except it be what? Given him from heaven. Pride is a taker. God didn't give uh, Lucifer a place to exalt his throne. Lucifer didn't ask for it. What's he trying to do? He's trying to take it. I will exalt my throne. A pushing of yourself forward. I want this place. I should have this. It's this entitlement. I've got experience. I've got this. You should give me this place. I should be able to do this. I should be able to have this. No, the truth is, nobody owes you anything. If you did something for somebody, if you gave it to them, it wasn't a loan, it wasn't a barter, it was a gift. And if it was a gift, they owe you nothing in return. Nothing. Well, I carried that child nine months. (laughs) And so you want some pay, which means you didn't give it to them. I was a good husband to her. I gave them the best years of my life. Well, what's the next phrase? They owe me. If they owe you, you didn't give anything. What you were doing was none of it was a gift and none of it was love. It's a trade and you want your pay. If it was a gift, if you gave it to them in love, then they owe you no, if they never say thank you, if they never do a thing for you, that's just all fine and good. You're not asking for it. It's quiet in here. <laughs> no, no. When you have faith in God, He's your source. Even if they're supposed to do it, even if they said they would do it. If they don't, you're still not going to do without. God's going to take care of you another way. And say this out loud, saints. Faith, Faith never, never puts pressure, puts pressure on, people. on people. Never. If you're putting pressure on people, that includes exes. If you're, I don't care what they're supposed to do. Or what they said they would do. Are they your source? No. Faith Puts no pressure on people. Everybody say it out loud again. Faith. Faith. Puts no pressure. pressure. On people. people. Why? Because they're not my source. I'm not looking to them. If they don't do it. God will do it another way. I'll be taken care of. My needs will be met. My faith's in him. Right? Not in them. In Hebrews 5. It talks about Jesus and the place God has given him. And in Hebrews 5 and verse 4, I want you to notice this phrase. It says, no man does what? Takes this honor unto himself. In the things of God, you don't take things. If God gives them to you, you receive them. No man takes this honor to himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Verse 5. So also Christ did what? Glorified not himself to be made an high priest. If anybody ever had a right 
to say I deserve this place. It's him. And he did not. He would not. Because that's devilish. The devil did try to say. He said I'm going to take it. I want it. I'm going to take it. I can have it. I'm amazing. I'm brilliant. I'm glorious. I'm beautiful. I can do it. I'm going to do it. I will exalt my throne. I will do this. And he was cast down. But did you know what Jesus did? He humbled himself. To the lowest parts of the earth. God became man. Took on flesh. Born in a cow stall. Hung on the cross. That's like going to the electric chair today. It's like dying by lethal injection. I mean it was the punishment for the worst offenders. The murderers. To be nailed on the cross and hung out there. He humbled himself. To the lowest part. And the Acts says you will not leave his soul in hell. At death he went to the lowest place. In your place. And my place. Philippians says wherefore. God has highly exalted him. And raised him up all the way to his right hand. Do you see how it works in the kingdom of God? In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The ones who humble themselves are the ones who exalted. And Jesus said this more than once in Matthew and Luke. He that exalted himself shall be abased. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. Notice with me. In Numbers, the 16th chapter. Numbers, the 16th chapter, is one of the clearest examples of what we're talking about. We want to learn about Jesus, don't we? We want to qualify for more grace and help than we've ever had in our lives, don't we? Who gets the help? Not the proud, only the humble. Who gets more help? The more humble. Is anybody getting more interested in humility than you have been in the past? I hope you are. It's a big thing to me. Near and dear to my heart. I, I'm believing every year you know, to learn more about these things. And not so I can judge somebody else. So I can get myself straight. And you'll find it. That the Lord will put a finger on it. You'll say something. You'll do something. And you'll realize that's pride. That is ugly, stinking pride. But you won't deal with it until you see it. People that are just haughty, haughty, do they think they're proud? No, no they think they're okay. They think, well, I'm, I'm a you know, pretty humble guy. <laughs> and they may be the proudest guy in the state. The proud don't think they're proud. They don't think it's a problem. And that is a big part of the problem. <laughs> Everybody said out loud, if you're really serious about this. The Lord will help you if you're serious. Say it out loud, Father God. Father God. I believe your word. I believe your word. You hate pride. You hate pride. It's, of it's of the devil. If you hate it, I choose to hate it. I don't want it in me. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like the master. Humble. Show me pride in myself. Open my eyes to see it and my ears to hear it 
and my understanding to detect it, to discern it. And with your help, I'll change and be humble in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, be on the watch. Be ready. It won't be pretty, but you'll be glad. Oh, you'll be glad. And the people around you will appreciate it too. Number 16 and verse 1, you'll see one of the, the clearest examples of what we're talking about. Moses, the Bible said, it says that he was the meekest man in all the earth. And so we get a great example in Moses in seeing how he dealt with things. Now he made some mistakes, but he was a very humble man. And notice what happened in chapter 16. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and On took men and rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes in the assembly, Famous in the congregation, men of renown, these are people who are somebody in the nation. They are important. They are known. 250 plus these other guys. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And they said to them, you take too much upon you. Let me give you a good Mississippi phrase for that. You're too big for your britches. You have gotten too big for your own britches. Who are they telling this? Moses and Aaron. They said all the congregation is holy. Every one of them. And the Lord's among them. We hear from God too, you know. And... Why do you lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Who died and made you king? Who put you in charge? Why do we have to listen to you? All these months. Moses said go. So we go. Moses said stay. So we stay. Moses said can't do this. Moses got to do that. Moses, Moses, Moses. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. We're sick of it. We hear from God too. You ever heard that before? We hear from God too, you know. I know some things too. You take too much on you. Moses heard it. And he didn't cuss. What did he do? Humility. Didn't he? I believe right now he's concerned for their safety. He knows they're in trouble. He fell on his face. And he said to Korah and all the company said, tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who's holy and will cause him to come near to him. Even whom he has chosen will he cause to come near to him. We'll just let the Lord settle this himself. How many of them guys had any sense that he hit their knees right then? Right? See, people don't believe God is real. Even a lot of church-going folk, they act like God's not real, like he doesn't hear things, like he doesn't know things. I've had people get annoyed with me on stuff. Why won't you do what I want to do? Won't you let me do what I want to do? I said, I don't do what I want to do. Why should I do what you want me to do? I have a boss. 
Now see, that, that's not real to people. They think, well, he just does what he wants to do and just says, you know, God this and God that. No, no, no. God is real. The head of the church is real. We're supposed to seek him and hear from him and follow him. He said, tomorrow the Lord's going to show. He said, this is what you do. You take censers, Korah and all his company. You put fire on them and you put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it'll be that the man whom the Lord has choose, he'll be holy. You take too much on you. You sons of Levi, you're the ones that's got too big for your britches. Now, uh, they should have never, ever, ever in a thousand years done this. Go back to Leviticus 10 and you'll see why everybody knew what happened in Leviticus 10. Everybody knew. Hadn't been that long ago. Leviticus 10 and 1, I'm going to read this from the complete Jewish Bible. Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10, 1, sons of Aaron, each took his censer, and he put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered what? Unauthorized fire before the Lord. What does unauthorized mean? Nobody told them to do this. God didn't tell them to do this. Something he had not ordered them to do. And at this, fire came forth from the presence of Adonai and consumed them so that they died in the presence of Adonai. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what Adonai said. The Lord said, through those who are near me, I'll be consecrated. And before all people, I will be glorified. And Aaron, these are his boys. He just didn't say a word. Because they messed up. See what had happened, God had performed this miraculous sight, and these guys wanted to hog some of the glory. They jumped up there and started going through this fire offering, and God said nothing to them about doing this. Exalting yourself, putting yourself in front, pushing yourself out forward. That's what the devil does. So now, everybody knew this. So when Moses says, okay, tomorrow you guys show up and bring you some censers like they did. Put some fire in them. And we'll just let the Lord pick and show who he wants. Because they're saying, who put you in charge? Does anybody know the answer to that question? Who put Moses in charge? They've seen all the miracles. How, How can they stand there and go, you just put yourself up. Friend, I want you to notice something and study it out for yourself. People, God's people have historically, have repeatedly rejected his choice. Moses and Aaron, Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Right? Person after person after person. God chose them. God anointed them. God sent them. Even confirmed them with miracles. And people still said, who do they think they are? Who put them in charge? We know God too. We hear from God too. And what was happening is Korah and Dathan and Abiram were seeking to promote themselves. Was what was really behind it. Go back to uh, Numbers 
Number 16. He said. uh, Take your censers. Verse 6. Put fire on them. Now when they hear that they ought to think. Nadab and Abihu. Burnt to a crisp. No thanks. No. No. Hey. Let's forget this. (laughs) Moses. You the man. I don't know what happened to me. I got up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm going to the house. But no, no, they actually did it. Moses said to Korah, here I pray you, you sons of Levi, seems it but a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation to minister to him. And he's brought you near to him and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you. You seek the priesthood also. Now notice this, saints. Notice this. The devil was not made a devil. He was created a beautiful, wise, anointed cherub that covers. He's in the glory and the presence of God. I don't know how long, but he's amazing. And he has some part in the workings and things of God. And he got to a point where he despised it. Wasn't enough for Despise means to belittle. It wasn't enough for him. That he's in the presence of God. That he's involved in the things of God. That God has given him all that. It's not enough for him. He wants the throne. He wants something else. Korah, Dathan, these guys are Levites. They get to handle the pieces of the tabernacle. They get to set it up. They get to take it. You could say they're in the helps ministry. They are service teams. They set up. They tear down. They clean. They pack it up. They haul it to the next place. They unpack it. But how many think if you're sweeping out a corner, if it's the Lord's corner, that's something, isn't it? And of all the millions that were in God's tribes, he chose the Levites. And he said, you can come near. You can't go in the Holy of Holies. Only the priest can do that once a year after the the blood's applied. But you can be all around it. You can set it up. You can tear it down. You can be right in the middle of my things. And Moses is reminding him. He said, God gave this to you. And that's not enough for you. You want the priesthood. Does that sound just like the devil? Can you hear what the devil does? He goes on to say. For which cause you and this company are gathered together against the Lord. What is Aaron that you murmur at him? We're just endeavoring to do what the Lord told us to do. Aaron's doing what I told him to do. Why are you out here? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab. And what did they say? We will not come. I believe Moses was trying to save their life. Do you? He called for a private meeting. He said, just you guys, would you, without all this 250 bunch, come to my tent, please, this evening. And they said, we're not coming. Such disrespect. We're not coming. They said, you brought us up out of a land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness. And then you make yourself a prince over us. You've not brought us into the land that flows with milk and honey. Well, was that Moses' fault? No. It's their rebellion and disobedience. 
But that's how folks are that, that don't want to obey God. They want to blame somebody else. You haven't given us any inheritance. What are you going to do? You going to put our eyes out? No, we weren't going to put their eyes out. We will not come up. Oh, do you hear the devil, saints? We're not going to do it. You're not over me. I don't have to do what you say. I'm not coming. You can't make me. Sounds like a two-year-old, don't it? No! It's devilish. It's not okay. It's not cute. It's ugly. Oh, you may laugh when they're two. You won't laugh when they're 16. (laughs) Moses was very wroth. He said to the Lord, don't respect their offering. I haven't taken one donkey from them. I haven't hurt any of them. Moses is upset. Even humble people can get angry. You notice that? Moses said to Korah, well, okay. Show up. You and your company. And Aaron's going to show up. Take every man his censer. Put the incense on it. Bring it before the Lord. 250 censers. You and Aaron. And they took every man his censer. They put fire in it. See, pride blinds you from stuff that should be obvious. This is one of the dumbest things you ever did. Right? This is crazy. Last people that tried this died. Right? Burnt to a crisp in front of everybody. Why in the world would you think you should do this? But pride blinds you. Get mad. Get upset. Get your pride all been out of shape. I'm going. I don't care what they say. I'm going. Well, go on then. We'll have a funeral to go to tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody listen. I'm going to have my say. I'm going to have my way. Will ruin your life. It'll ruin your relationships. It'll ruin your connections. It will destroy your life. Are you with me, saints? That's pride. Who gets the grace? Not the proud. They get resisted. I've had over the course of 30 some years of ministry, me and Phyllis both. Thank God not too many times, but I'm thinking of two or three times right now. That people were with us. They were joined with us. They'd been with us for years. And we tried to tell them, you know, no, don't do that. Don't go that way. I remember the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night. Talked to me for an hour about this. I went to their house, which is something rare for me to do. I believe people are supposed to hear from God for themselves. But there's a reason why God puts gifts in your life and leadership. It should be a protection and help for you. If, if you listen to it. And I tried to tell this person, no, if you do this, it's going to cost you your marriage. It's going to cost you your finances. It's going to cost you your ministry. Well, I'm going to do it. What can you do? More than once. I've had people look at me and go, well, that's what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And they did. And it cost them everything. God was trying. It happened exactly what the Lord. Somebody said, well, like you said, no, what what I said, the Lord said it. I was just saying what he said. I know that's not real to some people, but it is real. And I know there's folks who say the Lord said and he didn't say, but it doesn't do away with the real thing. There is the real thing. And if you know the Spirit of God, and be honest, you'll recognize it when you hear it. Because you've got the same Spirit in you. No, they said, we're going. So they went. Verse 19, they gathered all the congregation against them until the door of the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Man, this cloud and this fire came down. 
How many think them guys stand up holding them little sensors up kind of felt shaky? It's time to drop that thing and run. The glory of God is manifesting over here. But no. You can harden your heart and stiffen your I know when I was teaching Bible school, this happened more than I'm thinking of this young guy this morning. He came to me after a session and he said, I don't believe that. That's not right. Well, I'm his instructor. I'm his professor, if you will. I mean, even if he disagrees, there should be some respect. Are y'all with me saying? You may not be able to appreciate or respect everything a person in authority says or does, but you must respect the place or you don't respect God who gave the place. It's not just about making a big deal out of people. It's about making a big deal out of God. Who chose Moses? And God. So when you talk like they're talking, you're disrespecting God himself. You're in God's face. They thought they just had a problem with Moses and Aaron. But they had a problem with the one who chose them and sent them and called them. This young guy, he was trying to talk to me. And he just started shaking and trembling while he was trying to get in my face and straighten me out. See, his heart knows what he's doing is wrong. And he's trying to, and, and I tried to help him. I said, well, calm down. No, he's, you know, his pride, just ugly pride. I know back in earlier days, some of the things I heard some of my teachers say, and I thought, well, I don't know about that. And sometimes it was 10 years and I grew up and I thought, well, they were exactly right. A lot of things, if you'll just shut up and watch and listen and wait a little while. You'll realize some things of how ignorant you were. But pride has to have its say. I'm going to say what I got to say. I'm going to have my say. I'm going to have my way. will destroy your life. It will ruin your life. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Be teachable. Be correctable. Be ready to humble yourself. Be willing to say, I'm a man. I could be wrong. I could miss it. I'm ready. If I see that I'm wrong, I'll repent. I'll admit it. I'll tell it right. Be ready. And then when you see it, do it. And uh, they stood out there with their little censers. The glory appeared. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, tell everybody to get out of the way. Man, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. They said, oh God, God, the spirits of all flesh, will one man sin and you be wroth with all the congregation? They're concerned that the whole bunch is going to be wiped out right now. And the Lord said, well, you better tell them to get up and get away from Korah and Dathan and Abiram. <laughs> now, let's just stop right here. Did you know it's dangerous To hang out with rebellious folks. It will. I didn't say it might. It will rub off on you. You can't hear that prideful. You know disobedient. Rebellious stuff all the time. And it not influence you. And not affect you. It will. Moses rose up and went to Dathan and Abiram. And the elders of Israel followed. He spoke to the congregation. He said depart I pray you from the tents of these wicked men. And touch nothing of theirs. Lest you be consumed in all their sins. 
So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. Now, you know, it should be a sign to you when everybody goes away from you. And everybody's putting distance between you and them. How do you think it'd be a great time to repent? You don't stand there in the door of your tent and stick your chest out. What's he trying to do? Let me say this, friends. It's not that God won't forgive. It's that people won't repent. People get to a place where they harden their hearts. They're stiff in their neck. And they're going to have their say. And they're going to have their way. And you can't be gracious to people who won't repent. If they won't humble themselves, they can't get any help. And if you can't get any help, you are on your own. And that ain't enough. I want help. How about y'all? I want want lots of help. I want more help. Who gets the help? The humble. He said, hereby you'll know the Lord sent me to do all these works. Because see, that was their whole deal. Who put you in charge? How come you get to say? He said, well, you're going to find out. I did not do this myself. I didn't send myself. I didn't call myself. I didn't anoint myself. I've not done these things in my own mind. If these men die like most men die, if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord didn't send me. That's bold, isn't it? These guys live out their life and die of old age, then you know God did not call me and send me. But if the Lord makes a new thing, And the earth opens her mouth and swallows them up with all that pertains to them. And they go down alive into the pit. Then you'll understand these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass as he made, just as he finished the sentence, the ground started shaking. And split open. The ground that was under them opened up. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses and all the men that pertain to them and their goods. And they went alive to the pit. And the earth closed upon them. Your rebellion affects your family. It affects your kids. It affects your spouse. It affects your business. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them. And they said, lest the earth swallow us up too. And there came a fire out from the Lord. They had to know this was coming. It's happened with Nadab and Abihu before. And it consumed the 250 men standing out there shaking their little incense. They're not priests. God didn't call them to be priests. And they had a good job. It's not like they weren't involved in the things of God. God called them specifically and let them have a part. In the setup and the teardown and the hauling and the handling. These are important jobs. You're around the presence of God. You're in the things of God. But they wanted the priesthood. They wanted to run stuff. They wanted to be in charge. And notice what the others did. He told him what to do with the censers. Because I guess that's about all that's left now. There's smoke coming off the ground where these guys were standing. And their little censers laying there beside him. He said, go over and pick them censers up because those are the Lord's. Those guys are gone. And uh, 
Without going into more detail, verse 41, on tomorrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. They are slow learners, aren't they? Saying what? You have killed the people of the Lord. Like they made the ground open up. Isn't that ignorant? And you know, without going in detail, you read the next chapter. Take the time if you're not familiar with it. The next chapter, God had to do something supernatural to shut this bunch up. Because they're still yanging about who can be in charge and who can run stuff. He said, all right, I'm going to settle this. Every tribe, bring me a rod and lay it up before my presence. And I'll show you by a miracle which one I picked. And Aaron's rod overnight budded, put out limbs and buds and flowers. And then they called them all together. He said, here's uh, Reuben's rod, just like it was. He went through all the rods. Aaron's rod, look at this. I guess God chose Aaron. Is everybody happy with this? God's people have repeatedly rejected and despised and belittled God's choices. Now God sees men's hearts. And you may look at people and think they're not qualified to lead or I'm more qualified. But you need to acknowledge this. You don't know. Because you don't know people's hearts. You don't know where they came from. You don't know where things going. How many think we ought to respect God's choice? I believe this can be a life-changing day for us. Do you? That the Lord can do things, answer our prayer that we've already prayed. And we can realize some things that have been holding us back and holding us out and cutting off grace to us. And we can change it. How many believe you can change? People say, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you're not an old dog. You're a new creature. A new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been a certain way, you can change. And none of us have arrived at total Christ-like perfection. That means we need to change. Right? We need to become less like worldly stuff and more like him. And he said, learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart. In Philippians 2, Philippians 2, he said this, verse 5. Well, verse 4 goes with it. So does verse (laughs) 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. People say, well, you know, I don't believe I'm better than anybody. But I don't believe anybody's better than me either. That's not a scripture. It's actually contrary to scripture. You're supposed to look at other people as though they're better than you. I know that runs crosswise with tradition, but I'm reading scripture. Oh boy. Did you hear that holy cow we just poked? Woo, did you hear? We're knocking over a holy cow there. Let her flop. Let her go. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind? Learn of me, he said. Think like me. Be like me. He was in the form of God. And yet he thought it not robbery, being equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Other translations said he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory. You talk about stooping down. You can't, we cannot 
consider somebody coming out of a palace and going to visit somebody in a slum doesn't begin to show the picture of Jesus leaving glory and coming to us to help us. He didn't think it was too much to ask to condescend to us. And he humbled himself. Oh, how many believe he humbled himself? He made of himself no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. We have no idea how restrictive and confining that was. <laughs> we've been this, but we've never been that. Right? We're going to find out more about that later on. It says, being found in fashion as a man, he did what? He humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It wasn't easy. I, do you remember in the garden he cried out, you know, if it be possible. Father, you can do anything. Let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to do it. Just naturally. But he said, what? Nevertheless, not my will. But you, if you want me to do it, if this is the way it has to be, I will do it. He humbled himself. And allowed himself to be scourged and, and whipped and and smitten and crucified. And then that wasn't the end. The Bible said he went to the lowest parts of the earth. Wherefore, he became he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has what? Highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's our example. He that exalts himself shall be abased, brought down. But he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Jesus is the greatest example of it. We all got flesh. We all got feelings. We all came up with different influences and not all of them were right. I know you love your folks. I know you love the people that helped you in times past. But don't assume that everything they believed or everything they did was right. Even if somebody quoted a scripture. Do you want to see how God sees these things? Well, you can change. And the Lord will put his finger on it. And when you do, friend, every bit of pride that you can get rid of is that much more grace you can now receive. It opens up your life and where you've been struggling on your own because you were too haughty and too proud and you never got it. You tried to put yourself there, but you could never do it if you'll quit trying to put yourself there. Quit demanding. Quit pushing. Quit acting entitled. Back off. Ask. Be quiet. Wait. It takes faith to do that. Doesn't it? Then you'll begin to see what you could never do with you. God will do for you. He will exalt you. He will promote you. But it'll be in due season. And that's almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. You'll have to learn some lessons. You'll have to be proven. You'll have to pass some tests. You'll get corrected. You'll get corrected. You'll get corrected. <laughs> and your flesh won't like it. And it won't be fun. And at any time, you can jump up and you can have your say and you can do what you want to do and leave and your spiritual growth will be capped. 
and you will not progress and you won't get more help. In fact, you'll begin to get resisted and things will get harder and harder for you. The harder your heart gets, the harder life gets. Oh, but friend, you can learn. You can learn. People will enjoy being around you when you're not a know-it-all. When you don't have to run everything. When you don't have to be in charge. When you're quick to go, hey, I don't know everything. I could be wrong. Hmm? And when you're wrong, admit it in front of everybody and go, boy, I missed that. You're right again. People enjoy being around folks like that, don't they? They do. Little kids. Little kids that yell and scream and demand and come grab it out of somebody's hand and try to hide and don't let you know. That doesn't make you want to do anything for them. That makes you want to discipline them. But a little one that will come and go, may I? Can I? And wait on you and look to you. What does it make you want to do? Man, it makes you want to roll out the stuff, get the stuff, make baby happy. Right? Why? Because you're that much like God that humility makes you want to do something for him. Makes you want to grace him and help him. And that's exactly how he feels when he sees us. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.